This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I've never really been a part of a waiting game like this, but we'll see. Obviously, we'll be we'll be ready to play if our name gets called, and we'll go from there. You know, it's uncharted water for me as well as a head coach, and you know, it's it's uh, one of those things where we're gonna continue to get prepared, like we're gonna play. We try to get as healthy as we can. I'm sure I'll give them tomorrow off just to catch the breath, and uh, we'll get back at it. But it's it's definitely you know it's one of those things where you know we, we put ourselves in this situation. I feel like we're deserving. Uh, when we have a when we're when we have a more full strength, we can be pretty good. So hopefully we have an opportunity to show that. I guess it'll just be a, a waiting game, and I don't know something I'm not used to, but uh, just hope for the best and hope we get another chance. Well, I mean we played strong down the stretch. You know, we, you know if you're looking at RPI, I think we put ourselves in, in a good position there. Um, and I just I don't know. I just feel like we can play with anybody in the country. I don't I don't think the Big Ten gets credit for how good it really is. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska head coach Darren Erstad as uh, he discussed his team's postseason fade uh, following the Big Ten Conference Tournament as uh, Nebraska goes to and barbecue on this Memorial Day weekend uh, in Omaha and, and really kind of a buzzkill all around. You know, this, this was kind of hyped up uh, to be a, a big party in Omaha, a baseball weekend. Everybody was kind of clearing their calendar to be down at TD Ameritrade Park for games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And here in Nebraska has a 23-hour stay as we bring Nate Klaus into the program. And just after you watch this team play, Nate, they were 15-4 and over their final 19 regular season games. They won seven of eight Big Ten Conference weekend series. And then just to go in on that stage with the fans behind them to, to fall down, uh, it, it was such a disappointment. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have been more confident really coming into the tournament after the sweep of Indiana, the way they absolutely dominated Indiana with their pitching and, and timely hitting, and then to kind of fall flat, I think it kind of took a lot of the, the wind out of the sails of the program, you know, as you head into postseason play, uh, get ready for the, the tournament and everything, but um, yeah, tough, tough pill to swallow with the way things unfolded over the last few days in Omaha. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we discuss Nebraska baseball here to kick off this Husker Online Memorial Day weekend show. And uh, I do think Nebraska is going to get in. Um, you, know, I, you know, you look at what this team has done, what their RPI is at. Uh, they're a low 40s RPI team. Um, I think the disappointing thing is they were looking at maybe a favorable two-seed situation. You know, if they were able just to get maybe a couple of wins in Omaha – they would have secured their RPI in that low 30s. Now they're in the low 40s. And you look at the Big Ten right now, Minnesota uh, has a 55 RPI. They're out of the tournament, but they're the Big Ten champions. You would think they are in. Ohio State might be the hottest team in the league. Their RPI is around 50. Um, they're the team that most people think could win this tournament in Omaha over the weekend. Michigan um, has the highest RPI in the league at 33. Um, so I, I think those four teams have a pretty good chance to get in. But, you know, Maryland's hot right now. They're uh, in the Big Ten tournament as well, and I think there's a lot of other teams that could win this thing in Omaha. But no doubt Nebraska is looking, Nate, like they're going to have to go somewhere in the deep south and play um, in a pretty tough regional. Yeah, and as a three seed, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the draw is there. You know, I think looking back at the beginning of the season, um, you know, if you would have if you would have guessed how many teams from the conference got into the tournament, I don't know how many people would have said for sure four, but that's definitely what it's looking like as things unfold at the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, it's going to see it's going to be really interesting to see what what the seeds are. You know, when when the the final uh, you know when the 
final bracket and all the teams are announced here. And if you look at how Nebraska played Nate against Indiana, you know, I covered that Indiana series and obviously both games in Omaha and really the games in Lincoln, Nebraska didn't play that well as far as offense, but they did the little things. They turned six double plays against Indiana. Uh, they got, they executed, you know, they knocked in runners on base. Um, even if it was just a ground out, you know, they still got RBIs out of those situations where in the game uh, on Thursday, you know, they just didn't execute. It was a misplay of a routine ground ball or, um, you know, when they had opportunities to maybe do something with runners, they weren't able to advance runners and, and do the little things. And um, Indiana is a solid team. And, you know, Nebraska was going to have to execute. And uh, it's just unfortunate that they weren't able to get another chance to to do something more here in Omaha. And I think the story was kind of the pitching and defense, right? You know, the pitching had been outstanding, only allowing one run in that Indiana series heading into the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, and, and the pitching just wasn't as sharp. You know, once they got to TD Ameritrade, uh, there, was, there were quite a few walks. Uh, you know, guys just not throwing strikes. And the big thing to me was when you look at, uh, you know, the the defense, what, what both, both days they allowed two errors. And I think that when you look back at those, those errors, I I think that's kind of where the the tide turned there, um, you know, where maybe some momentum was lost on, on some of those errors, and and the other teams capitalized on them. Well, and the the big X factor, and Darren Erstad hinted about this. He goes, when our team is at full strength, we're pretty good. AKA when Scott Schreiber is in the lineup, who was the hottest hitter in the Big Ten before getting hurt on Thursday against Indiana or Friday, he was out. And here's what Darren Erstad had to say about the status of Scott Schreiber going forward to a potential regional. It's unknown, I guess. I don't, I don't know that, but I mean, we have a little bit of time, so hopefully we get to see if that comes true. But again, that's uh, those aren't my decisions that I make as far as whether we get to play or not. You know, I asked Darren several times over the weekend the status of Schreiber and and would he be available even in Omaha, and he was pretty clear to me on Tuesday in the dugout after the practice that. He was unavailable for the whole weekend in Omaha. They knew they weren't going to have him, but whatever this abdominal injury he suffered during Game 2 warm-up against Indiana last week in Lincoln, uh, it must be a pretty severe injury because uh, this guy was tearing the cover off the baseball. I mean, he hit two home runs, Nate Klaus, in TD Ameritrade Park um, a little over a week ago against Creighton, which nobody hits home runs in that ballpark at that pace. Well, and you wonder if... Losing the the best player, the hottest player on your team heading into postseason play, I wonder if that kind of um, did something to the psyche of this team uh, because maybe guys started pressing a little bit more, f- feeling like they needed to pick up the slack when you when you're losing a guy like Schreiber. I mean, you know, I wonder if that played a little bit of a factor. Maybe guys were playing a little up, uh, a little bit more uptight, or you know, the pitchers feeling like they needed to to do a little bit more. Uh, play perfect baseball. Play perfect baseball, and when you do that, I think sometimes you you make mistakes and that's kind of what we saw happen because yeah you think about that Thursday night Indiana game it was really a, a low scoring duel and and Schreiber goes yard to win that opening game and you know he had the ability to win games by himself at times uh, when the rest of the offense was out and I think uh, him being in the lineup the pitches that maybe Ben Miller sees are better when Schreiber's in front of him and uh, Ryan Bold and some of these guys get way more lineup protection uh, when you have a bat like Scott Schreiber in there. So hopefully, Nate, will see this guy in the regionals. And I'm optimistic that we will. But 
Um, we'll have to wait until Monday at 11 a.m. when the NCAA selection show takes place. Yeah, I'm optimistic that uh, that we'll see Schreiber play as well. And I think if he is in the lineup, I agree with Darren Erstad. I think this team can play with pretty much anybody out there. And um, But he does, no doubt about it, he does change the complexion of this team and, and how these guys play. All right, we have a full show here on tap on this Memorial Day weekend edition of the Husker Online Show as uh, we'll catch up with Robin Washett. He's on his vacation, but he took a few minutes to join us uh, in our next segment about Andrew White and, and his decision to come back. Then uh, we're going to dedicate a lot of this show uh, to recruiting. Nebraska is in the graduate transfer market at defensive tackle. Uh, we'll get Nate's thoughts on that and then some satellite camp talk and uh, Nebraska football summer camp talk. That's all around the corner as far as other recruiting storylines. But we'll catch up with Robin Washett next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online show as we shift the focus over down to Nebraska basketball. We just talked some Husker baseball as Nebraska waiting uh, for their NCAA life here on Monday. But uh, a lot going on in the world of Nebraska basketball, specifically with the NBA draft announcement of Andrew White the third. And he let this thing go all the way down to the wire. And I guess, Robin, uh, as we bring in Robin Washington, who, by the way, is on his vacation joining us. So thanks again, Robin, for uh, taking a few minutes out here. I know you're in uh, the uh, Pacific Northwest. Yeah, we are currently out in uh, Oregon. And step one of our three-step vacation is going to be Oregon, Washington State, and then uh, Vancouver up in British Columbia. So, uh, But when news breaks, you know, you got to jump on, especially when uh, – it is the story people have been talking about for literally months now uh, regarding Andrew White's future with Nebraska. Yeah, let's get into that. You, know, you look at what how it played out. I don't think anybody's surprised that Andrew White III is coming back to Nebraska, but I think it was the length and how things went down to the wire. I mean, you had Andrew White and Mellow Tremble, who I think a lot of people maybe were surprised was coming back and considered one of the top yeah. prospects. Those are the last two guys in the Big Ten uh, to, to declare that uh, what they were going to do, both are coming back. Uh, what was your take on just why this thing played out in the manner it did? Well, I think, if anything, it was just more frustrating uh, just because, uh, again, he made Nebraska fans and the coaching staff and you know all of his teammates wait until, like you said, you know the, the, the final hour, so to speak, for – uh, you know, deciding if he was going to be a Cornhusker or not next season. But uh, if you look back at the history of the way he's really handled everything, you know, basketball-related, it shouldn't be that big of a surprise. I mean, he, he took his time committing to Kansas. He took his time committing, to, you know, transferring to Nebraska when he didn't, uh, you know, officially commit until August, uh, you know, before his when he came here. So uh, he's kind of always had an approach of being very, very thorough uh, and, you know, taking as much time as, you know, is allotted to him to make these types of decisions. And considering this is probably the biggest uh, decision of his life that he's made yet, uh, you, you certainly can't be, you know, c completely caught off guard that, you know, he, it did take as long as it did. But, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that for me, it would have been more surprising had he made the jump just because I think there were so many more pros to coming back than there were, uh, you know, m making the jump now. You know, I, cer I certainly think he would have had an opportunity, but it would have been a major roll of the dice. And now when coming back, uh, you know, he's got a an opportunity to really raise his stock. 
uh, you know, because I think throughout this entire process, if nothing else, he's at least put himself on the map with a lot more NBA teams that are going to be, you know, looking at him as a legitimate prospect for next year's draft uh, than they were for this year. You know, it's a unique thing to Robin with basketball as we talk uh, with Robin Washington about Andrew White coming back, how basketball allows these prospects really to go all the way down to the final second, go through the combine prospect, go through uh, team workouts. Uh, now, teams can pay for these guys to work out and everything, right, Robin? I mean, Yeah, and Andrew did about six six or seven of them all together. And, yeah, they, they fly him out there, and it's literally day after day. Like, I think at least six of his seven workouts were, you know, within the span of a week and a half. So uh, they're one right after another. And, yeah, they, they fly in guys and, and kind of by groups. Uh, you know, a team will host, you know, about – you know, anywhere from five to ten players at a time and really get a thorough, you know, one-on-one type workout situation where, uh, you know, the coaching staff and the executives and personnel can all, you know, watch firsthand these guys work out and then reevaluate where they stand uh, on their potential draft board. So uh, this is really a unique thing. Uh, This has never happened before uh, in college basketball. This is the first year that this new rule has been um, applied by the NCAA. So, um, you know, again, you know, it was just a great opportunity, you know, for a guy like Andrew to really get a stand. And, uh, you know, while uh, it obviously wasn't enough for him to make the jump now, uh, from the sounds of things, he got a lot of really positive feedback from the teams uh, with which he did work out uh, that I think really was encouraging that, you know, he, he was a lot closer uh, to being an NBA player and realizing that lifelong dream than maybe he thought he was even going into this whole process. So, uh, it was a win-win for everybody. Well, while it took longer than a lot of people, you know, would have liked, uh, you know, Andrew's still coming back. He's going to be a Husker. Uh, and also his, his standing with the NBA looking ahead to next year, I think got a whole lot better because of it. You know, it's interesting the NBA does this. I, I've heard a lot of people say, why doesn't football go this route? And I don't know if it's the numbers in football, how you have so many more scholarships and numbers to manage versus basketball, but it would make a lot of sense if the NFL and college football would go to something like this as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's going to be interesting, though, because I know that some of the NBA uh, feedback from all this is uh, there's a lot of guys that you know may be wasting their time. It's not only wasting their time, but wasting the, the NBA team's time. Uh, by coming out and going through this process, you know, guys that, you know, clearly have no shot uh, and really have no business even being, you know, in this conversation. Um, So I know that there's kind of been mixed reaction to this. Um, So I'm sure that there'll be some sort of tweaks made down the road where maybe like, you know, you you can choose to declare without an agent, uh, but, you know, you're only going to get invited to work out. You know, there, there's certain ways that they can go about to, to limit the number of guys that are doing this. Because uh, from the NBA standpoint, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, like you said, they're they're flying guys in, you know, paying for these workouts. And, again, there, there's only so many workouts you can hold before the draft. And so if you're wasting your time with guys that, you know, really have no business, you know, <laughs> coming out early for the NBA – uh, you know, then it, it, you got to wonder what it's all worth. So I think there will be some, yeah, at some least tweaks. minor changes made in the future just to kind of perfect this thing. But I think there's no doubt that, uh, especially for guys that are legitimate NBA prospects, but are still kind of borderline about being drafted, uh, was really a long time coming because how many times over uh, the, the decades have we seen guys that, you know, you know, had, had an NBA future, but, would have been really, really good college players, make the jump too early, and then get lost in the shuffle. So 
this helps avoid that. And I think in the long run, uh, once these changes are made, it, it'll be a great situation for both college teams, college players, and NBA uh, teams as well. We're talking Nebraska basketball with Robin Washett and uh, with Andrew White now coming back as you start to look ahead at this roster. Uh, number one, I mean, how many wins more? I mean, having him back, I, do you think this kind of puts Nebraska more as a team that could hover in that 8-10 to 10 conference win mark versus maybe a team that would have been more towards that bottom third of the Big Ten next year? I think it certainly makes that type of difference just because, uh, I mean, a, a Andrew's one of those guys that's a legit Big Ten player. Uh, and right now, I mean, when you look at Nebraska's roster, in fact, I was talking with a guy that you know I trust as a, a pretty knowledgeable uh, you know, Big Ten source, and uh, he said looking at Nebraska's roster, uh, they have two guys that you consider dudes, quote-unquote, one of them being Lynn Watson, the other being Andrew White. And so you, when, you, when you have two of those guys, you feel a whole lot better than just having one, especially when the other one is you know, just going to be a true sophomore. So uh, that changes the entire dynamic of Nebraska's lineup. Uh, it gives them a perimeter threat that they otherwise would not have and again, I think that's something that Andrew's really going to refocus on this year, uh, you know, being more of that shooter, uh, because he was trying to do, I think, a little bit too much last year, uh, especially when Siobhan was out, and that really hurt his game because that's 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 not the type of player he is, and it's not the type of player he's going to be at the next level too. So uh, he's got more help this year with you know not only that freshman class being a year older and a year improved, but uh, you know the the addition of an Anton Gill. Uh, takes a lot of the pressure offensively off Andrew's shoulders. So, uh, really, I mean that that's a that's a huge piece, not only just on the floor as you know the, the second leading scorer last year and your leading rebounder last year, but as kind of one of the few veteran leaders in that locker room. I mean, outside of Andrew, you're looking at Ty Webster really being the only proven senior leader in that locker room. And so you get a guy like Andrew, who if you've ever met him, is you know one of the smartest, most articulate. Uh, just genuine guys you're going to meet, uh, to have that presence as your kind of face of your program, the senior leader, the captain coming back, uh, it makes a world of difference. And especially with you know such a young core of players, to have that guy setting the tone every day in practice is going to do nothing but good from the top to the bottom. As we wrap things up here with Robin Washett and scheduling news, the uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge games were released this week. And as I look at the matchup for Nebraska, I think they've done their best, Robin, to try to recreate every old Orange Bowl Nebraska's played in. Nebraska's played Florida State and Miami in these games. Now they will play Clemson, another Orange Bowl opponent for Nebraska football. Uh, the only one missing is Virginia Tech. So uh, it's an interesting matchup, but I think we've talked about this earlier. Nebraska's going to have to do more as a program if they want to get a, a better marquee matchup. But uh, they're usually going to get the scraps. Otherwise, if they don't, you know, put themselves in the upper top, upper part of the Big Ten. Right. That's kind of just the way it is right now. I mean, Nebraska is just unfortunately not in a position where you know the the Big Ten and ACC are going to give them a North Carolina or a Duke. I mean, this just this is not going to happen. So uh, the good news is that they didn't stick them with a repeat matchup. I mean, how lame would that have been if they put them against Florida State again or? a Wake Forest again, or uh, even worse, a Miami again. Uh, so at least it's a unique opponent that has some, you know, good college basketball pedigree uh, that, you know, it'll be a good um, RPI team, you know, going on the road that uh, if you lose, it's not going to hurt you that much. And if you win, it's certainly going to uh, be a nice, uh, you know, highlight 
uh, when you're putting together a potential NCAA resume. So uh, I think it ended up in the long run being a pretty good situation for Nebraska. I and mean, obviously it's not the sexiest, uh, you know, the thing you could p- potentially get out of a deal like this, but it could be a lot worse where, you know, you're playing, you know, a repeat team that no one's excited about at all. And, uh, you know, really isn't going to, you know, help you one way or the other. So all things considered, good deal for Nebraska. Robin Wash had our guest here. Robin, uh, thanks for taking some time away from us on your vacation as you enjoy the Pacific Northwest. I know you like microbrews, so I'm sure you found plenty <laughs> while you're up there and some, probably some good seafood too. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I already hit the uh, Deschutes uh, Brewery out in Portland and uh, have sampled all the finest ales they had to offer, and now I'm going to hit Seattle coming up here and then uh, hit up Vancouver for the first time too. So I'll make sure to uh, definitely have a, have a few uh, subs for in your honor. All right. Well, Hey, thanks Robin. And we come back here on the show. We'll bring Nate Klaus back on as we've got several different recruiting items to discuss, including camps and uh, potential transfers coming in. That's all next year. You're listening to the Husker online show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we're going to shift over to transfer talk for Nebraska football as we just heard from Robin Washett talking about Andrew White coming back. Well, the Nebraska football team, Nate, is in the market um, for some defensive line help, and, and rightfully so. You, you look at kind of what happened to this team at the end of the year um, with the unexpected departure of Greg McMullen and uh, Kevin Williams leaving as well was a hit to the depth of the defensive tackle position. It's put Nebraska Nate in a position where they have only five scholarship defensive tackles for this 2016 season with only one of them with significant game experience in Kevin Maurice, limited game experience from Mick Stoltenberg. Uh, so that's put Nate uh, Nebraska in the market uh, for a potential graduate transfer at defensive tackle. Yeah, and it's Utah's defensive tackle. Uh, Stevie Tuikulavatu is a, a graduate, um, and he's on the market in Nebraska. You know, we've seen the staff try to be very opportunistic all, at all points in time, always looking to to do whatever they can do to, to improve their roster. And, and he's a guy they're going after. They were able to get him on a visit first, and, um, you know, and he's, he's looking for an opportunity to play. He's also visiting Alabama and USC, but, you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to find another team out there that presents a, a greater opportunity to, to walk right in from day one and and become a starter and help elevate your your draft stock as you head into your final season of play and this is a guy that mike riley kind of hinted about he spoke at the uh, downtown lincoln rotary club and he addressed the crowd with aloha at the beginning <laughs> and uh, saying we're getting ready for a big recruiting visitor coming in um, and, and I think they were trying to kind of keep it quiet, Nate, but um, that was the guy uh, that Mike Riley was referring to. Yeah, Polynesian, uh, you know, player uh, Stevie Tuikolovatu is a is a Tongan of Tongan descent, and uh, and I think that's another thing that's interesting here that maybe um, you know a, a sub storyline to this whole deal is is that this coaching staff is trying to create uh, somewhat of a Polynesian pipeline, and we all know that that's a tight knit commun- community, and uh, they don't currently have any Polynesian players on the roster. So if you're able to to bring in a graduate transfer and he has success, I I think that that would help lend itself to to bringing in more Polynesian players and creating, you know, maybe opening the door for somewhat of a pipeline there. Yeah, I'd love to know, Nate, the backstory of how Milt Teneper and Nebraska kind of got that going in in the late to mid-90s. 
uh, with Junior Tagwai and Tony Fanodi and Dominic Raiola, Tony Tata. Uh, they were able to, to have a little mini run there of guys that were very, very reputable players from the islands that even if you go, I mean, I went on our honeymoon to uh, Maui five, six years ago, and I can remember I mentioned some of those players' names, and people on the islands are very familiar with those guys, and Nebraska was able to get them there. Um, it was interesting that they were able to do that just for a short period of time. Yeah, it was interesting, and, and I think that uh, the Riolas are the guys who I think carry a lot of weight down there. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that the father, uh, Dominic Riola's father, is, is maybe a, a leader of one of the – um, you know, one of the towns or one of the villages in, in, in one of those areas. So, uh, but it, yeah, they most definitely carry a lot of weight. And, uh, and I think that there are names who are well known throughout the Polynesian community there. So, um, but what, I mean, what's interesting about Stevie Tulakalavatu is, is how much that he could potentially change the entire dynamic up front on that defensive line. When you talk about Kevin Maurice, who only has one career start underneath his belt, um, you know, and, and Stevie Tulakalavatu could come in and, and provide, um, you know, immediate help right there uh, at 6'1", 320 pounds. Even though he was a backup, he was extremely productive when you look at 28 tackles, uh, six tackles for loss, four sacks, and four fumble recoveries, which was leading the, the Pac-12 and, and second overall in, in the country. So um, he has been very productive, and, and he's a def- you know an NFL defensive tackle. Uh, he has generated some interest there, and I think – uh, maybe working under a guy like uh, John Perella could potentially, you know, be a selling factor as well. A guy who's played 12 years in the NFL and could help prepare him for that next step in his life. And Stevie has visited Alabama as well, and he will go to USC. And, and these were predetermined. It wasn't like they saw him on this Nebraska trip, Nate, and uh, those teams all of a sudden got this kid on the phone and got him out there. He's really kind of laid out a plan here over the month of May. Yeah, he has laid out a plan. From what I understand, all those trips were kind of predetermined. He went straight, really, he went straight from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, essentially to into his Alabama visit. Uh, I'm hearing that he will take a, a visit to USC, and I've, I spoke with a reporter out of Salt Lake City that, that said that BYU could potentially be in the mix here, too. I don't know, um, you know, if that will happen or not, but uh, I can promise you Utah would not want to see him go to... Well, they to, play each other. Exactly. So uh, I, I promise you, they don't want to see him go to, to USC or BYU. And, and I know for a fact that uh, at Alabama, they've got, you know, a lot of talent returning and their, their situation up front is nowhere near of what Nebraska's is in terms of an opportunity to come in and play right away, solidify yourself as a starter pretty much from uh, from day one. So I think this is a decision that's going to happen soon. Uh, I don't think that he's going to drag this out very long. I think ideally you'd be wanting to, to get on campus as soon as possible, start summer workouts, get to know your teammates, get to know your the defense that you're going to be playing in and, and get settled in and get acclimated to Lincoln. Yeah, Alabama, Nate, lost that defensive tackle, so I think they just have that opening. And I'm sure Nick Saban's a businessman. He's like, I'd rather give this to a quality guy that could help me than – you know, just giving it to a walk-on for a year or whatever Alabama would do with that empty scholarship. And, and you're, you're right. I mean, who knows how much this guy would really even play there uh, with the talent Alabama recruits at and the fact that he doesn't probably know uh, that defensive system, uh, which is obviously a complicated system in the SEC with Nick Saban. Uh, you hear a lot of comparisons to Saban's defense was always comparable to Bo Pelini and, and 
um, some of the concepts that Bo Pelini did. Well, yeah, Alabama lost Ashawn Robinson and, and Jaron Reed to the NFL draft, but they've got a, a five-star Deron Payne who's coming back, who's kind of uh, you know penciled in as a starter there, and then Josh Frazier, who was a, a Rivals 100 recruit coming out of high school, a kid that Nebraska actually went after. So. You have two guys there that have played a lot, um, that were highly recruited and are extremely good prospects coming back on the Alabama defense. Uh, you know, so that I think that opportunity is a. It would be a little bit harder to to kind of step in from day one and, and increase your playing time if that's what you're looking to do. If you're Stevie Tuukulavatu, Sean Callahan and A. Class, as we we talk about Stevie Kulavatu and uh, the potential of Nebraska adding a, a graduate transfer, and it's our understanding that Nebraska has basically one scholarship to, to kind of play with here. And um, there's been some other guys out there that have hinted Nebraska's shown some interest. Ravon Hostin, I know he claims a Nebraska offer. I don't know how committable or legitimate that information is right now from what we know, but, um, you know, a very talented defensive end that has a little bit of baggage as a lot of Juco guys that are maybe available right now do. Uh, but could you see Nebraska if they don't get Kulavatu um, you know, moving on a host in or mo- trying to do something of that direction. Yeah, I could see it happening. You know, he's a 6'4", 250-pound defensive end uh, who appears to be a late qualifier out of, out of junior college. I know that there are a number of teams that he had offers from, but he didn't sign with anyone because he needed uh, to kind of shore up some academic work and, and finish this semester out strong. Uh, I do know for a fact that he he was talking with North De- uh, University of North Texas uh, and, and several other schools. I know West Virginia was another one that, that he was talking with. And, um, you know, it appears that there's been some sort of communication between Nebraska and, and his coaching staff out there at L.A. Valley uh, Community College. So. Uh, but definitely a lot of a lot of red tape. I, I think that there's uh, a lot of work to be done in the transcripts. And, you know, he's a kid who's been to four different junior colleges. And my experience is when a guy's been to that many different JUCOs, uh, the, the, the that's chances, a lot of credits transferring. Yeah, that's a lot of credits transferring, and, and the chances of, of uh, all those being, you know, the transcripts being in order. Uh, I mean, that's kind of a nightmare for the academic staff at Nebraska to sort through. I've seen it happen, you know, for, firsthand, and I know that's that's kind of a nightmare. So I, I don't, I wouldn't say that that he's uh, for sure lock if if Nebraska does miss out on Stevie Tuukolavatu, but. Uh, most definitely, we're seeing the staff wanting to try and bring in somebody up front to provide a little bit more depth, a little bit more experience on what is a pretty inexperienced uh, and young, young but talented front. But but definitely, uh, uh, they, they'd like to add somebody up there. I can only imagine Dennis LeBlanc's face when he gets a kid's <laughs> transcripts from four junior colleges and looks at that and says, okay, how are we going to make this work <laughs> but when we come back here nebraska's summer camps are about to begin and nate klaus and i will give you a full preview of everything you need to know and there's a new twist this year i think any husker fan listening right now is going to want to hear we'll tell you about that next you're listening here to the husker online show this is huskeronline.com your authority on nebraska athletics And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. We are approaching the month of June, which means a lot of things. But for Nebraska, it is camp month. For a lot of teams in college football, it's camp month. And uh, they will spend really uh, the full month, Nate Klaus, as we bring Nate back into the show, um, you know, hosting prospects, having camps, having Big Red weekends. And uh, here's kind of a rundown, Nate, of what Nebraska will be doing on campus starting June 10th. 
they will host their first of three straight Friday Night Light events. They have the 10th, the 17th, and the 24th. And I believe the 17th is already full. Is that right, Nate? Yeah, it's pretty full. Uh, I know that there are limited spots left. Definitely no walk-ups for that event. Uh, will be accepted. So uh, it should be a, a great turnout. I know that those Friday Night Light camps were were pretty successful last year. They were able to get quite a bit of talent I know on campus. I know they'd, they'd like to get even more on campus, and I think that's why they added a, another one in addition to the two that they had last year because uh, it should provide a little bit more flexibility for, for kids, as, um, you know, whatever their camp schedules may be to kind of fit things in and, and get on campus. And I like how they, how they do that. They kind of tailor it towards more of a, a select camp to get these guys on campus and then piggyback Big Red Weekend off of those camps. So, um, you know, there should be another successful round of uh, Friday Night Light camps this June. So three of those, but then Nebraska on June 13th will host uh, their big man camp, and that will be offensive and defensive linemen. And then on June 14th, they will have a skill positions camp. So if you can't necessarily make uh, the Friday Night Lights camp, they are going to offer these events as well. And uh, last year, I think they did two of those. Um, they're going to just do it just down to one. And I think that we were at all the camps, and I think that makes sense, Nate, to, to feature more of these Friday Night Lights camps and, and, and maybe cut back one of the big mans and one of the skill position events. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Those those two, having two big man camps and two skill camps in addition to the Friday Night Light camps, I think kind of watered everything down. Uh, and if you can kind of uh, build build up your, your one big man camp and your one skills camp and, and try to make those events where kids, uh, if they're not able to go to the Friday Night Light camps, can come in and, and kind of be more of a showcase event for, for either one of those two. Uh, I think that makes sense. And, and try to try to create a brand try to create this as something that is a, a big event going forward you know the um, and have kids talk about it you know that's the Nebraska big man camp that's something that I want to get out to and, and go to I know there's going to be a lot of other big big time players out to that and uh, I think that's something that, that the staff's really trying to do is is uh, uh, create some sort of buzz around a lot of their summer camps because that's something that is it's kind of fallen flat over the last probably five five to ten years I think the the camp summer camps at Nebraska have been um, very hit or miss. In the Osborne era and obviously the Solich era, the camp was a huge part of recruiting. Mm-hmm. And um, typically their first commitments would come out of the camp based on the Boyd Epley performance index testings and things of that nature, which were relatively newer. And a lot of schools weren't even doing that at camp. Now, Nebraska, Nate, will also hold three youth camps um, June 15th, June 16th, the 20th and 21st, and the 22nd and 23rd. And that is important, I think, to offer something for those younger grade school kids. Now, it is not an overnight camp. I, I believe it's a, a day camp for two straight days. Um, you know, uh, there's part of me that would like to see them offer an overnight camp. Uh, it seems like, you know, I've been looking at a lot of other schools, though. The overnight camps have just kind of gone by the wayside. There's so much liability and um, hassle with getting dorms on campuses and cost with that, that it seems like a lot of schools have gone away from the traditional, you know, fantasy camp where kids stay the night in the dorms for two or three days. Yeah. You just don't see that happen very often anymore. And, um, and that's what we were used to seeing at Nebraska in the past was those three day camp sessions that, um, but they were expensive. It was over 400, 500 bucks. It was super expensive. And, and I I just think it's unrealistic the way that recruiting,
recruiting is now, the way that the camps across the country are now, is unrealistic to expect a, a great turnout when you're when you're charging you know four hundred plus dollars just for the camp, not not including any of the other travel or anything else that goes into it. So I, I like the camp structure. Uh, I, I do like the youth camps too because uh, that is fostering kind of a, um, you know more of an identity, bringing up younger guys, it, it being around those coaching staff and being around the program and, and hopefully, um, you know, creating more of a, uh, I guess, a, a youth following in the state, because that's something I think we've seen kind of, uh, you know, dwindled down over the past few years as well. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we go through uh, Nebraska's summer camp schedule here as we get ready for that. And Nate, one of the cool things that they are going to do this year uh, for the Friday Night Light camps, they are going to open the camps up to the public. Um, and, and it kind of were, but it wasn't advertised to this nature. Now, anybody, Nate, can attend these events, um, and, and they're going to be inside Memorial Stadium on a Friday night. Uh, the West Stadium will be open for fans to sit in, and I think this is a smart move by Nebraska. We saw Bill Callahan do this for his quarterback camp years ago when Harrison Beck came, and um, a lot of fans showed up to watch that. And it only makes sense to me to do this um, because the fan base is one of the strongest things Nebraska has to sell. Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, there's a lot of buzz around recruiting right now. People are interested in it. People are following it again. And uh, and this staff has done a good job of kind of embracing the fan base. And, and what a better way to, to continue to do that than to really open up the gates and, of Memorial Stadium on a Friday night when you've got some of the some of the top players from the area and across the country uh, competing out on the field under the lights on a Friday night. Um, you know, it can be around the fans and, and kind of get a feel for the the overall passion that, that Nebraska fans have for this program. I, I think that um, you know pretty much every recruit that I talk to mentions the Nebraska fan base as being one of the best out there. They feel the love on, on social media and everything from the, the rabid fan base and I think it only makes sense for this coaching staff to continue to embrace that and, and you know kind of open up the doors and, and let you know let the fans come in and, and see these guys work out and, and compete firsthand. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we talk camps and Satellite camps, too, are going to be a big part of the month of June. It's not going to be of the nature, though, we saw last year, Nate. It was, you know, last year was really an exclusive thing for Nebraska. They were one of the few teams that had kind of that blue blood status that did these camps. You know, Nebraska, Michigan, Penn State were really three of the big powers that did, um, you know, kind of their own little tours. Now everybody in the world's doing their own kind of tour, and I think Mike Riley has recognized the nature of that, how it's going to water down these camps. I know last week on our Husker Online show, uh, Mike Farrell from Rivals said for 30 straight days or 28 straight days, there's a satellite camp in Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I mean that, that, that's a little bit different. Where last year there might have been three or four. Exactly. Um, so uh, the, Nebraska will do some camps. What do you know right now as far as – um, the camps that are kind of some of the bigger satellite camps they'll take part in. Well, there's going to be probably do- double digit, close to double digit satellite camps, but the bigger ones that that I'm aware of right now are are going to begin on June 1st in, in St. Louis at Lindenwood University, um, which is a big camp. Obviously, St. Louis is an area that I, I believe is kind of up for the taking right now with the struggles that Missouri has had and with Illinois just getting a new coaching staff. Uh, so I, I, I like I think it's a smart idea that they're going down to. 
St. Louis. Uh, they'll be down there, um, you know, like I said, on, on June 1st. And I believe it's from 6 to 9 that evening. Um, and there's going to be, you know, from people I've talked with, there's going to be a large, large turnout. This could be one of the bigger camps in, in the St. Louis area that, that uh, you know, anyone has ever seen. So, and then you, you turn around and you look at the satellite camp that's going to be in Calabasas on June 5th. And, and uh, obviously, Nebraska fans are familiar with Calabasas. I think it was a smart move for Nebraska to have a satellite camp there at the school. Um, you're going to have a lot of your top targets there, two of your best commits, and Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Tristan Jebbia will be there. Obviously, five-star cornerback Darnay Holmes is another guy from Calabasas that they're targeting. Uh, Bookie Radley-Hiles is one of the top corners in the 2018 class. So, um, and this will be this will draw a lot of a lot of kids from the Los Angeles area from Southern California to this camp. I, I think that this is going to be one of the bigger ones. Should be a great turnout. And I also like the the fact that Nebraska is teaming up with Hawaii at this camp. You know, we talked about um, you know maybe Nebraska wanting to create more of a, a Polynesian pipeline earlier in the show. Uh, and I think that if you have Hawaii at this camp, you, you could probably expect some Polynesian players to turn out and in Nebraska could get an eye on on these guys and, and, and where's that camp going to be? It's going to be at Calabasas. So and they're teaming up with Hawaii. So um, and I also like the fact that they've advertised that junior college players are welcome to, to attend this camp. It, uh, it's not something that you see a ton. I, I think that but it's, what a great way exactly to see these guys. Yeah. So it's going to be an outstanding opportunity. I think that's going to be one of the few satellite camps that we see the entire staff at um, is that that Calabasas camp. That's going to be huge and uh, just to work with those kids and even be around the parents and have the parents see the coaching staff and see how they work with the kids and uh, get a chance to maybe chat with them a little bit after the camp. I, I think that is invaluable. So um, I'm really interested to see that. And then I think there's going to be a handful of sound mind, sound body camps that, that you know will be partial staffed by Nebraska. Uh, a couple I've seen a couple flyers of, of Nebraska going to be down in Texas, uh, Dallas, Austin, Houston area. And then uh, I've also seen one in Atlanta. I don't know exactly, you know, how many coaches will be down there or, uh, you know, when that will be. But uh, there's, you know, probably – 10 other camps that, that are, you know, flyers that are out there that say Nebraska coaches will be at, but I don't think they'll be full staffed, um, you know, quite like this, uh, like that Calabasas camp on June 5th. All right, when we come back, we'll continue our recruiting discussion with Nate Klaus as we close this edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of this Memorial Day edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we are getting you through this holiday weekend with some Husker news here as we still wait on the Nebraska baseball team. Once again, if you missed our first segment, uh, we will know Monday at 11 a.m. during the NCAA selection show that's televised on ESPNU on the Nebraska baseball team's postseason fate but as we close the show we want to talk more recruiting here with Nate Klaus as um, we are kind of reaching are the coaches Nate off the road I mean are they still using some more days or are they pretty much done here as they go into the holiday weekend the coaches are still on the road the the last day of the evaluation period is on uh, next Tuesday so uh, I don't think anyone can be out on Monday since it's a holiday but uh, so really there's just a, a handful of days left when you when you look at uh, them being able to go out this last 
last weekend and then have uh, Tuesday be the very last day of the evaluation period. But Nebraska seems to be using uh, the rest of this month, um, you know, out on the road. And then with June and camps, as we talked earlier, it's going to be full recruiting with these camps going on. But um, what have you noticed? I know um, it's been a different month for uh, evaluation. You know, a lot of years we see offer, offer, offer. Well, Nebraska kind of did that in February and January with all their offers where, you know, they have, what, 250 out there maybe at this point. Yeah. So what are some of the developments you've seen here over the last week, 10 days during the evaluation period? It's been interesting to, to see Nebraska's approach because it is a little different than what we've seen in the past. So uh, they went on an offer spree like crazy, you know, leading up to, to signing day. And then really that month, month and a half afterwards, they tried to identify identify as many of the the 2017 prospects uh, out there as they could that they wanted to recruit and and add to this class. Uh, They wanted to offer those guys early, build relationships, try to work on getting those guys on campus. And then when they went out on the road, uh, you know, during the evaluation period, they're able to go visit those kids that they had already offered, that they'd already kind of talked with over social media um, or over the the phone or or whatever. So uh, they continued building relationships there but really the the new offers that we've seen i have been to underclassmen 2018 even a couple 2019 offers uh maybe the the new trend here over the last week was some 2018 quarterbacks it seems like uh, danny langsdorf has been focusing in on on some you know recruiting some of the top uh, underclass quarterbacks obviously you want to add one in every class that's nebraska's mo there and uh, they've got tristan jebbia for this year's class and and, and they're going after a couple hot shots for 2018. Jack Tuttle is a big-time quarterback out of California that just picked up an offer this week. And then Kevin Doyle is another one out of Pennsylvania. You know, two of the top underclassmen quarterbacks in the country that Danny Linksdorf was through their school this week and was able to, to watch him throw and then ended up, uh, you know, offering a couple days later. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we talk uh, recruiting storylines here uh, over the final week of this spring evaluation period for Nebraska. Nate and you know, it's been uh, really busy as well for in-state prospects. Uh, I think we have never seen this type of action in this state um, over the modern-day spring evaluation period. Uh, right now, I believe there are 21 prospects that hold Division One FBS, FCS offers, and I believe it's like 13 or 14 that hold FBS um, because Air Force has been so aggressive. And uh, there's been some different players that have come into the state this year uh, we've seen Air Force come in heavy. Uh, we've seen a lot of Ivy League teams come in heavy. Um, but Central Florida, I think, is maybe the, the biggest new player with Scott Frost. Uh, they have now made, uh, what, three offers in the state. Brett Cottrell, Noah Vedrill, and then uh, Austin Allen was an offer they made way back when. Yeah, and, and they've offered uh, uh, Mastery Mapew already, too. So four York. offers, right? Four offers, uh, one to an underclassman in, in Mapew. So uh, they've been extremely active, and that's something that, that <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever seen Central Florida come into the state of Nebraska before. But obviously, uh, Scott Frost has, has some connections in the state, and there's some guys that, that he wants to go after. And um, and they've generated a little bit of interest there, too. And, and I think that maybe the big kid uh, that they're that they're after and could legitimately land would probably be Noah Vedrill right now. He's just coming off of an outstanding showing at, at the state track meet. Uh, and really, his stock is as high as it's ever been. I think he's feeling extremely confident. Gold medalist in the 300-meter hurdles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and uh, 
uh, heading into camp season, you know, he's going to be, he's got some offers under his belt now. So I think the pressure is kind of off of him a little bit, um, you know, in terms of his recruitment. And, and so uh, he's feeling extremely confident, but yeah, we've seen so many schools come through uh, the state and, and even though there's been a ton to offer, I think there's still more out there uh, that could be getting close to, to offering some of these guys. I, I look at a kid like Brett Cottrell, who I think, you know, already has a Minnesota offer. That's probably his biggest offer, but uh, uh, he could be getting close to, to adding several more now that he hits the camp circuit. Uh, he is healthy coming off of that knee injury, and, and we'll see what, what kind of transpires for him. But he's one of several kids. You know, Logan Strom is another one, um, and then a handful of other linemen like uh, Tyler Charest, uh, Patrick Arnold, Chris Walker. Um, you know, I think there's there's a handful of kids. Rudy Stoffer. Rudy Stoffer, a handful of guys that could continue to to see their stock rise and, and land some, some big offers, uh, offers that – that uh, will definitely generate some uh, something to talk about. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus, as we put a wrap here on this Memorial Day weekend show, uh, talking some recruiting. And you know what the in-state crop, Nate, as far as Nebraska offers go, uh, what the Huskers are going to do, I, your guess is, is, is as good as mine what they're going to do right now. I think Cottrell, as you already hinted, is probably the next guy in line. But after that, I have no idea what direction Nebraska goes. Yeah, I really don't either. I think that's that's really up up in the air right now. Logan Strom could be a guy, um, you know, that they that they offer. He obviously has tremendous uh, potential. His his build and his upside, I think, is as great as anybody in the state. So he could be a guy that uh, that really you know gets you know if he does well at camp, he could get a Nebraska offer. Would he be that second? He'd be the second tight end, right? It would be the second tight end in the state. We're, he would be the second in-state offer, but would be the second tight end along with Austin Allen. So, uh, I mean, that's something that to really keep a close eye on. And then all the all the offensive linemen, like I mentioned, uh, Chris Walker, Rudy Stauffer, Tyler Charest, uh Patrick, Patrick Arnold. Arnold. Uh, I mean, there's there's a, even uh, Trent Hickson uh, at uh, Omaha Scott. Um, you know, there's just a ton of guys right in that same range. You know, into your offensive linemen, maybe a couple offensive tackles, but they're going to be taking a really Really close look at, at all those players and um, you know the the remaining spots along the O-line in this recruiting class are are limited but if there's a, a player that impresses I think that uh, the staff won't hesitate to go ahead and pull the trigger and they're going to have a big class so hopefully they can find a way to get three to four in-state kids in there this year yeah I, th- I think that that I think they'd like to be able to do that right now uh, the the overall size of the class is probably not uh, quite as big as what they'd like it to be but I think it will end up being a, a full boat by the time the signing day rolls around I think we'll see some things shake out uh, to where they're able to take probably at least three guys in state um, you know and, and if the offers don't come at camp I don't think that means that they're not going to continue to evaluate these guys they're going to keep a close eye on a lot of these in-state players throughout their senior seasons and, and continue to follow those guys but um, I think in, in the, the ideal situation for Nebraska it would probably be for one or two players at least at this camp to go ahead and step up and and put to bed any type of uh, questions that they might have about their ability or about how they might fit into the program. Well, Nate, enjoy your holiday weekend. Hopefully you get the grill out and we stay dry here. I know the weather has not been uh, ideal here for Memorial Day. Yeah, definitely not been ideal, but uh, we'll we'll make do. We'll we'll enjoy the weekend. Well, thanks again here for joining us as uh, we put a wrap here on another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 